Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And a lot of people have been called as witnesses at trials. And those of us who have not have seen enough television shows to know that every witness at every trial is required to promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. For some people, this is very easy. They just get up there and give an account of the events that they witnessed. For others, however, telling the truth in a trial can prove to be a little more difficult as it might incriminate them or someone they care very deeply about. Telling the truth in some circumstances can be hard. But you know something? Facing the truth can be just as hard or harder than telling the truth in certain situations. It is hard to hear the truth when a physician tells you there is nothing more we can do. It's hard to hear the truth when the Internal Revenue Service says you owe us both principal, interest, as well as penalty. Hearing the truth can be very hard. But the fact is, life is full of hard truths that must be faced. Every person alive must face these truths in some way or another. There are universal truths that weigh upon every person at some point in their lives, truths that may be avoided for a time but can never be escaped. So for our episode today, I want to talk about nothing but the truth, certain truths that everyone must face. First of all, guilt is real. Everyone makes mistakes at some time or another, and everyone must find a way of coping with the feeling that that brings. Some people try to ignore guilt, those feelings of worthlessness and failure that creep in when we're all alone. Others try to medicate the guilt away by using their favorite drug. The more guilt they feel, the more they use, whether it be some illegal drug, maybe even a prescription drug, possibly alcohol anything that can dull those feelings for a while. Others try to cope with the feelings of guilt by eating too much or by not eating enough. All of the world's efforts to cope with guilt, all of these solutions, inevitably fail and many times make the feelings worse. Ask a psychologist or a psychiatrist about the role that guilt plays in most of the people that they see. This is where being a Christian can be so liberating. Jesus came to free us from the guilt that we feel. Jesus came to make it possible for that guilt that is ours to be removed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, Paul wrote, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Christianity, alone among all the world's religions and philosophies, offers as its most basic point a way out of guilt and the worthless feelings that go with it. 
The whole purpose of our Lord's life and death was to take away the guilt of sin. When the angel appeared to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, this is what he said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In Romans chapter 4, verses 24 and 25, we read, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. To justify means to pronounce free from guilt. Justification is a sentence of acquittal by which God acquits men of their guilt when they meet his conditions. The truth is, when we turn to God and admit our guilt, ready to believe and obey him, he gladly takes away our sin through the blood of his Son and frees us from our guilt, declaring us justified. But when we try to cope with guilt on our own or through some other means, it always ends up worse. Here is another truth. Everyone must face death. I suppose that this is one of those topics that most modern folks would just as soon ignore. But the reality of life is that all of us will die if the Lord doesn't return before then. And even if he does, we will all be changed. We can make major advances in medicine. We can learn all about diet and exercise. We can understand the relationship between stress and good physical health. But the best we can do is delay death for just a little while, a fleeting microsecond in the great expanse of time. We can never do away with death, no matter how many diseases are conquered. Death will always be the final event in every person's life. As a Christian, I can face death without worry. I have in my possession a copy of a dear friend's living will. She was a very faithful and beloved member of the body of Christ. In this living will, she wrote, if conditions should develop wherein there is no reasonable expectation of my recovery from physical or mental disability, I request that I be permitted to die with dignity and not be kept alive by artificial means or heroic measures. I do not fear death. I do not fear death. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be able to say? In Hebrews 9:27, we find, For it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. As a child of God, I can face death with assurance and confidence. God tells me I will die, but then assures me that I will meet him in judgment. Friends, Jesus came to take away the fear of death. Stay in the book of Hebrews, but go to chapter 2 and look at verses 14 and 15, where we read, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see, my friends, Jesus wants us to be free of the fear of death. He wants us to live without fear so that the greatest enemy of man cannot gain the ultimate victory. So many try to avoid facing death. We have surgeries to look younger, 
folks tried to dress and act as if they were not aging. We color our hair, decorate our bodies, all in the hopes of holding off aging and its conclusion, death. Others try to live with as much gusto as possible, hoping to enjoy their lives so much that they can feel that their death is not tragic. But the only real way to face the truth about death is to come to know the one who has the power over death, Jesus the Christ. Still another truth is the constant search by man to find the meaning of life. In every age and in every culture, mankind has struggled to understand why man exists and what purpose we have. Some attempt to reduce man to animal status, saying that we are just one more step in the evolutionary chain. As a result, man has no meaning except to live and to die. Others try to romanticize man elevating him to almost godlike status, claiming that man is the ultimate in the universe. In between these two extremes are millions of other attempts to explain man's origin and purpose in life. Whether educated or uneducated, whether rich or poor, whether free or enslaved, everyone wants to know why we are here and what our purpose in life is. There is only one clear answer, and it is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13. Solomon wrote, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. That's in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. We are taught that man was made in God's image. That image elevates us to a status much different from the animals. Our purpose is thinking, feeling, living beings is to honor and reverence God and do what he says. That is the whole purpose of man. No wonder so much of the world struggles with confusion. Far too many are seeking meaning without God, and it's just not there. Perhaps they seek fulfillment in sports or entertainment, maybe by seeking to climb the corporate ladder or by accumulating a lot of wealth. I'm not saying that any of those things are bad but none of them provide real meaning in life. Only in God can we find true meaning and fulfill our purpose for living. And you know what? Once we become a faithful child of God, all those other things we do suddenly have real meaning as well. Another hard truth that man must face is that we're all going to face eternity. Just think about time. It in itself is mind-boggling. I cannot conceive of a million years. I cannot conceive of a thousand years. Yet we know that before we were born, there were countless generations that had passed. We know as well, if the Lord wills, that there will be countless more people to come after us who will live and die. History tells us that. Astronomy and cosmology tell us about the universe and all that it contains. Although the distances are huge and difficult to grasp, we know that it is all there. Where did it come from? What will happen to it? What is my place in this vast universe? Those are some kind of questions. Everyone must face the staggering truth about eternity. Where did things come from and where will they go? These and many other questions face us as we consider our place in time, in history, and in eternity. Only God provides the truth about this admittedly hard truth. In the beginning, God.
That's Genesis 1.1. The Bible explains it in the only way that makes sense. The Bible says that all that has been came from God. The Bible tells us that all that exists was formed through his power. The Bible places eternity in the hands of God. More importantly for our lesson, the Bible says that you and I are going to exist eternally. We will not cease to exist. I think of our Lord's statement in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, where Jesus said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. We are all going to exist beyond the tomb. Some will be with God, others will be condemned. This is a hard truth. Sometimes we must decide where everything came from and why it was made or how it came into being. Sometimes we must decide what role we play in the vast scheme of the universe. We can avoid avoid facing this truth. We can ignore or deny it but eternity still stares us in the face. Jesus says that we can have an eternity that is wonderful, an existence with God and all his children, or we can believe that we will die, never to live again, in which case your life and existence are without meaning, or we can put our trust in God and find purpose, even beyond this life and in eternity. These are hard truths, I know that, but they must be faced. One more truth, we are all going to face God. I know that some won't particularly like this one and maybe some would even disagree, but the truth is you will face God and so will I. If God made everything, and he did, if our only purpose is to serve him, and it is, if he offers a way to have our guilt removed, which he does, And if he can enable us to face death without fear, and he can, then we must also accept that we will face him sooner or later. That is why we are told that judgment will follow death. Eternity will begin for us with an encounter with God. All of us can be confident in that encounter if we will come face to face with God right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 tells us, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. It is coming. We can choose to face him now and obey and be saved, or we can choose to face him later, ignoring him now and ultimately be condemned. What is the choice that you will make? Interesting and important words to consider. Thanks for listening.